You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, hello, hello. I am Matt Williams, and this is the Locked On NFL Podcast. How is everyone this wonderful Thursday? We have football tonight. Baltimore is traveling to Cincinnati. My man, Mike Sando, who's on the line with me right now, and I are going to break that one down. I'm going to make a pick um, against the spread and straight up, although it's only a one and a half point line at my bookie right now. The Bengals are underdogs at home, which I find a little strange, but let's talk that one through. Uh, Mike and I worked together for the better part of my 10 years at ESPN. Before that, I was a scout for the Browns, uh, the recruiting assistant at the University of Pittsburgh, director of football ops at Akron. And like every Thursday, it's great to talk to Mike. What is up, buddy? Hey, not too much. I really enjoyed week one. I think the Ravens, you know, who we're talking about with the Bengals were an interesting team in week one, um, given their history and sort of the context of where they're trying to go. Uh, I love the matchup tonight. I really can't wait to see it. Yeah. And just as an overview, you know, I do a lot of Pittsburgh stuff, obviously, and the consensus around here is a little cocky in that. Oh, the Steelers will win the division. They just have to worry about the Jacksonville and New England. And I've been telling them, and I think week one sort of showed us here, this division is better than you think. And something I've said over and over is all three teams in the North improved by a bigger step forward than Pittsburgh did this offseason. Yeah, no doubt. And I think, you know, it's easy to kind of discount Baltimore as this team we sort of know what position they've been in I don't like like to me Baltimore doesn't feel like a threat to win the Super Bowl but no. they're a damn tough out I mean you don't like to play them no, you know right and they they with their style of play uh you know they could be they're gonna usually and unless they're playing the JV team from Buffalo they're usually gonna be <laughs> grinding it out you know when you're grinding it out and you're a you're a good but not great team you're sort of could be six and ten. You could almost be ten and six without a whole lot going differently. It's just a matter of hey, how did you grind out those games? Is your quarterback, you know, protect the ball or did they improve their weaponry? I think they're just a, a tough team that sort of goes eight and eight in their worst years usually, right? Yeah, right. And uh, you know, a lot of their games are what kind of bounce do you get at the end? You know, do you wear your opponent down enough? Are you the more physical team? And they often are. And, you know, the common themes with them to me are, I think Harbaugh is a real good coach. I mean, I think he has a real good idea of what he's working with. I don't know that Ozzy's done a wonderful job of giving him great players lately, but that's a different story. They're always great on special teams. They're always physical. And I know it's a kicker, but having Justin Tucker is a major advantage in those time of close games. Yep, no doubt about it. And I th- I thought Cincy was a great sleeper team mm-hmm. um, this year also in that, you know, the AFC doesn't have 10 great teams at the top. So there's potential for, I think, an opening there in the AFC. And uh, if to me, it, a lot of it just hinged on, you know, does Joe Mixon get the running game going to just help Andy Dalton a little bit? And it's only against the Colts in week one, but he had a, he had a good, you know, some pretty good numbers. And I'm anxious to see if that translates at all against uh, Baltimore, which is almost always a really good team on defense. Yes, and I, I feel like I can make the argument that the Bills are the worst team in the league and the Colts might have the worst defense in the league, you know, the two teams that these guys faced off. So I think this is going to be a really telling um, 
show of where these guys are. And you kind of mentioned it. I mean, the AFC Buffalo this past year, Miami the year before, has a team that really doesn't belong in the postseason but sneaks in because there aren't six playoff teams available. And Cincinnati was the team I picked this year. And, and I do think that they've dedicated themselves to Mixon. I think he looks great. Yep, yep. Uh, they're just an intriguing team to me. So we've seen, you know, we've seen what Cincinnati can look like Specifically, Andy Dalton can look like when he's well supported, when everything's going yeah. well around him, and we saw that in 2015. And he, he was, you know, he produced like a Pro Bowler, and you can say that you knew he wasn't really one, and that's true. If you strip everything back and give him, you know, no support, he's not going to lift everything up. But support him enough, and so a little bit the same with Joe Flacco. Just give him enough support. It's not like these guys are going to be great quarterbacks, but you can win with them. Absolutely, and they both have won their share of games, and you know, are NFL quarterbacks. Um, I just read that Baltimore is 7-0 and on Thursday night games. A lot of those were home games. I, I didn't know that, but it makes sense because I do think they're a well-coached team that can handle the, the rigors of that, where I think Cincinnati's a lot more volatile. But I think Cincinnati has more overall talent than the Ravens. You know, but the Bengals' O-line. Like, yes, it's better, but there's holes there, and they're going to have to deal with big physical front will there be much room for mixing and if there isn't is Dalton going to be able to handle things and then the other side of the ball though I really think Cincinnati's defense is very good young aggressive get after the quarterback I think both these offensive lines are going to look substantially worse than they did in week one I am with you a hundred percent there you know I think that from a Cincy standpoint one thing that concerns me is I think that um, I think the Ravens are probably you know are a better coach team in terms mm-hmm. of managing the games, managing the games. You know, I think they've been at the forefront of doing things kind of analytically, and I feel like Cincinnati hasn't. So that's a little bit of a concern. Um, your point about the Bengals' offensive line is really struck with me because what happens especially now in the absence of, you know, we're in an era now where there's fewer veteran offensive linemen um, and there's way fewer guys coming out of college that are really trained in the art of playing offensive line the way you'd like to play it in the NFL because of the style of play. Everything's so spread out in college um, that it's just a different game. And if you look at the Bengals last season, they opened the year against Baltimore and lost 20 to nothing. And then they played Houston and lost 13 to nine. So they scored nine points in their first two games against two really good defenses. And, you know, the idea is offensive line wise in the NFL, you know, unless you're a team that's blessed with a really good line, it takes a while for those guys to sort of get their sea legs and you're going to look the worst out of the gates, especially when you play good defensive lines. So I think that's something to look for. For Cincia, you know, as much hope as I sort of would have for them if I were a Bengals fan, um, they really got to play the easiest team to play in week one, one of the easiest in Indy. And now you're going to one of the hardest in terms of, you know, having to play a tough, tough defense. So is this going to be a flashback to the first couple games last year? Because remember, they played Baltimore in the opener, then they played a still healthy Texans team. Remember, they, I think right, the Texans right. still had Watt. Merciless and J.J. Watt. And, and so, you know, Baltimore could, I wouldn't surprise me at all if Baltimore came into this game and won it 17-10. to 10. Mm-hmm. Is that your pick? Is that what you're going with? Huh. 
<laughs> you know, I I kind of just just looking at it from thirty thousand feet, I would lean towards the Bengals mm-hmm. at home and may even think they're a little bit better. But that element of it does worry me for Cincinnati early in the year um, against you know a team that obviously knows them really well too. And there's even familiarity. I know the Bengals have a new defensive coordinator, but as I wrote in my uh, piece today on ESPN Plus about um, you know talking to coaches and GMs and those types of guys in the league to get their picks. Um, Terrell Austin, that D coordinator, is a former Baltimore guy. Uh, there's great familiarity there. He was with Detroit last year. They played uh, Baltimore. So there's a, this is a true divisional game where everybody's very familiar with each other. Yeah, absolutely. And I really feel like defense favors – defense has an advantage, and we didn't see it in Tampa Bay, New Orleans. But early in the year, I lean towards defense. And I think that tonight – isn't going to be great for your fantasy teams. You know, there's some players you're probably going to play anyways, A.J. Green, Mixon. I, I think it's like 14-13, 17-16. I mean, a really close game. And the more I think about it, I understand better why the Ravens would be favored. I think they're just a more trustworthy organization, top to bottom. But I think Cincinnati pulls it out in a close one. I got Cincinnati 17-16-ish. Yeah, I'm not going to fight you on that, and, and I think if it was the other way around, we wouldn't be shy. You know, you could say, right. told you, it would be that type of game, and because those types of games can go either way. But if you're getting what you're getting a point and a half with the Bengals? At home, right. Yeah, I think that's enough for me to sort of lean their way. Yeah, I, I do too. And again, I think it should be a really close one, a fun one, and a revealing one. And I got that line from my bookie, as I've been telling you guys all week. Um, I'm probably going to put a buck down tonight to see if I'm right uh, on, on the Bengals plus one and a half at home. But ever since I've been doing this, many, many of you have asked me for my advice, often with betting. And I think I've done all right and done, made you guys a couple bucks. But it's just as important who you bet on as where you bet. And you got to go to mybookie.com to do that. So lay down some cash and win big today. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that's been good to me, and they have been very good to me. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. One of my favorite things, and tonight might be really a, a good gauge of this, is the in-live, in-game live betting that they have. Just to see who's winning at the line of scrimmage and maybe put a bet down in the first quarter as opposed to before the game. They have great player perks. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. I might lean towards a lot of unders tonight in that regard. Join now, and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. So that's free money, folks. So you got to use our promo code LOCKEDON, all one word. That activates the offer. Um, visit my bookie online today. Use the promo code LOCKEDON when creating your account to claim the bonus. You pay, you play, you win. You get paid. Mike, as usual, you put out a very good article this week. This one was early in the week, reactions to week one. And you have some surprises you're buying and some surprises you're not buying. The first one on the list, I'm not going to go through all of them. You guys got to go sign up at ESPN.com to get all the good info. But I disagree with you on one. Jameis Winston could stay on the bench. I don't think that, I don't see it. Prove me otherwise. <laughs> well, they're they're not going. It, it, they already won a big game at 
the Saints, right? So one of the most explosive play games, it's the most explosive play game since they hired Dirk Cutter. And so there's obviously room for him to crash to earth, and he's going to play Philly in week two. So let's just say they they lose week two. Well, they, I believe they've got uh, the Steelers in week three, and I believe it's in Tampa. It's a Monday yes. night game. Yes. So let's just say, you know, we've seen the Steelers. We know the Steelers. That's a game the Steelers could, could easily lose. So let's just say... You're a two and one Bucks team, and did you see the way Fitzpatrick played in the first game? I mean, he's diving he across the goal line. Yeah. You know, the type of, everyone's helping him up. I just don't think that you automatically give it back to Winston if your team is doing well and winning. They don't owe him anything, um, and I think that that Jason Light, their GM, basically said that before the season. And what else is he going to say? He can't. To me, you can't say, yeah, it's his job no matter what. That's the wrong message to your locker right, room. true. You probably hope that it sorts itself out and you just make uh, the decision. But if if they're a 2-1 and one team against this tough schedule and he's played pretty well, would you change back? Um, here's right my, away, my take. I, I know what you're saying. And I actually predicted it to go this way, especially after... Fitzpatrick just played the best game of his life, and I think it's almost an unrepeatable feat. But it was very, very impressive. And I feel like right now Tampa's playing with house money. You know, everyone just looked at him like, you're going to be 0-3. you got three really tough games. doesn't even matter if Winston's you know suspended or not. And now they kind of have one in the win column. And oh, by the way, the Saints in Atlanta both lost. You know, they're the biggest dogs in the division. But my hunch is... Fitzpatrick will continue to be a roller coaster, and one or t- one or two of these next games will throw three or four picks and you know be all over the place. But my hunch yeah. is, you know, you mentioned the next two games look really tough. Then they go to Chicago in Week Four. Then they're on a bye Week Five. So I might wait till Week Six to put Winston back in, have Fitzpatrick handle the first month after a you know, probably more successful than people imagine run. I just think that Winston, like him or not, and I'm sure Fitzpatrick's more likable and all those things and trustworthy. I think Winston's one of the most underrated football players in the league. Really? Yes. I think he's a much better quarterback than people realize. Make your case. I mean, I I thought he looked good in the preseason, but he also had, uh, you know, he's got the threat on him now. Yeah, he's not the scholarships up. (laughs) Right. But I think he was a nearly dominant player at the end of last year. And nobody cared because the Bucks were out of it and it didn't matter. When he came back from injury, I thought he was phenomenal. And I think the big knock on him is he has some Favre to him where he's going to make bad throws. He has some Eli to him. He's going to have some roller coaster type things to him. I think he has really good pocket presence. I think he's much more accurate than he's given credit for. He's reshaped his body. He moves around much better. I think he's a lot better at his craft and continually improving than most of the quarterbacks that are that age and is really franchise caliber guy on the field. Okay, so let's take a look at what you're talking about. Really, his last four starts last season. Now, they were 1-3 uh, in those starts. They exceeded 21 points one time against the Saints in Week 17. Um, he was, so he was set, those last four games, he was seven touchdowns, five picks. Uh, you know, 8.7 yards per attempt, really good. 67% completions, really good. 
Um, QBR 66, really good. Um, didn't take a lot of sacks. Uh, but you're right. They were, it was, they were sort of out of it. Yeah. No one paid attention. Now they played. So, so here, here were the games. So he, he played Detroit. They lost 24 to 21, two touchdowns, two picks. Yeah. Okay. Played Atlanta, lost 24 to 21, three touchdowns, no interceptions. That's a, that's a good game for him. Mm Mm-hmm. At Carolina, they lost 22-19. That's, a, that's respectable. He had one touchdown, no interception. Really a high completion percentage yards per attempt. Really high. Um, and then the Saints, they pulled it out in the end. So I think he was pretty good in those games. But do you really think... Now, you, you mentioned his body. He looks better and all that. Do you re, Are you really willing to say that that's him? Or do we just take the full body of work over three seasons where... He's emotionally up and down. You can't trust him on the field with the football as much as you'd like to. You can't trust him off the field. Well, that's the biggest problem. I mean, there's and a, yeah, yeah. So I, now I'm not trusting Fitzpatrick with the ball either, long term. No, like I don't know that I'm giving him 25 million a year to be the face of my team. I'd have to know him better. I'd have to be there. But I think he has improved by leaps and bounds, and I think he's one of the better quarterbacks in the league when you factor in difficulty of throw and completion percentage. You know, like, he's good at both, and few are. No doubt. Yeah, no doubt about it. And if you, like, one of the things I look at every every week is, you know, percentage of throws that are to the sticks. You know, meaning Yeah, like right, the, right. The, the ball goes in the air to at least the first down marker. That really tells you how much the gas pedal's down, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, if you're always throwing it to the back behind the line of scrimmage, that's different than if you're always pushing it down the field. And uh, they're number one every year. Uh, you know, they're right at the top in terms of percentage of passes that are really, you know, cha- trying to challenge the defense by going past the, the distance needed for the first down. They're always up there. So there's something to be said for that. Um, I don't know that that's necessarily – a great combination with someone who's known for risking the ball a little bit, but I will say his interception rate has come down, mm-hmm. you know, and that was one thing I sort of thought, you know, when you come in from college, do you ever really, is that kind of your DNA? Do you ever really shake the fact that you risk the ball a lot? You know, I'm, I'm interested to see it a little bit with Darnold this year too, but, I've... um, and for a while he didn't, but, he that number has come down in the percentage of passes that are intercepted. Yeah, and for the most part, I do think that's your DNA. That's how you're wired. Favre is the ultimate example, of course. But I also think that even though he does dumb things and eats W's and gets off, gets in trouble off the field, like any of us, he's only going to mature. I mean, and maybe I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt there. He's, he was one of the youngest guys in the league when he came in. I mean, I got to think, I mean, his game has matured. From what I understand, he is an extremely hard worker football-wise. I got to think that he his decision-making maybe improves by 10% over the next couple of years, which is enough. Yep, yep. I know they were very happy with him on the, you know, the work ethic front mm-hmm. when, he, when he came in. And you can see he clearly has a passion for competition and the passion for the game. I mean, he has it. It gets the best of him sometimes, you know. He probably right. should tone that down and remember, hey, you're you're sort of the CEO of this team, you know. You're not just uh, you're just another guy out there, and you can't be running up and getting in fights and losing your cool in the games like he does. So he plays with his emotions on his sleeve. Um, if it also bleeds into 
you know, throwing the ball to the other team too much and, and all of that. All right, let's take a quick break, and then I want to go over a couple more topics. There's way more here than we can cover in one segment. All right, all right, we are back, and... I had Mike Renner on from Pro Football Focus yesterday, and I urge everyone to check that out because what we did is I pulled up like six teams that most of us thought would be respectable. I mean, and is it time to worry about them yet? And we just talked a great deal about Winston. Let's talk about Mariota. And the Titans' offensive troubles is the title of this section of your article. It's scary with that group right now. I'm worried. I mean, yeah. obviously, you'd be worried. You'd be worried anyway, looking at, you know, golly, you lose your number one receiving threat in Delaney Walker. You get your left tackle, Taylor Lewan, concussed. And then your franchise quarterback, who has a history of injuries, has to leave the game for part of it. And not only that, he's injured on an RPO, which is what you were supposed to be bringing, you know, to the table this season to help differentiate your offense and build it around a quarterback who, um, you know, you would think could be well suited for that type of play. So um, I am worried. And then you have a first time coordinator. You know, I think Matt LaFleur has, um, I think in a lot of situations, I'd be excited to have Matt LaFleur as my coordinator. Yeah. I would feel like, Hey, I mean, this is a guy coming from, you know, Sean McVay. Uh, this guy could really have a grasp on the future of offense. This could be invigorating, could be exciting. However, who does he turn to? You know, there's, there's no veteran quarterback who really has pelts on the wall who can help calm the situation down. There's no, you know, Al Saunders or veteran assistant guy who worked with Coriel and has been around for th- 35 years. They're kind of a younger <laughs> right. staff. And by the way, you have a rookie head coach whose expertise is on the defensive side of the ball. And, oh, by the way, you know, the clock's ticking on your young quarterback who you're going to have to give a new contract to at some point here. Um, that's a lot to overcome. Um, and I'd be worried. Yeah. I mean, my initial take on it and all off season, I kept saying like many people, LaFleur goes from Atlanta two years ago. Great off, amazing historic offense to the Rams last year. Most points in the league, two best young offensive minds. He's working right very, very close with. He's the perfect guy to go from Fisher to him. I mean, much like the Bears situation or the Rams a year ago. Get the old curmudgeon out and the young guy in. But it's a lot of change, and there has been a lot of injuries on both sides of the ball. And also, week one was one of the weirdest games in NFL history. I don't know if we should look too much into a game that took eight hours. And, but, you know, like they came, seemed longer, it seemed longer. I can't imagine playing in it or having to report for it or something, but like, even they came to Pittsburgh for week three and I was at that game and I'm watching Mariota closely because I've been one of his biggest supporters and thinking he doesn't look comfortable. You know, he's a tick late on everything. And I do think very opposite of Winston, he's not an inherent risk taker. You know, I know he's a good athlete, but He's kind of a calm, reserved type of player. Yep. Yep. No, I agree. And I'm just looking at their schedule and feeling like they're not going to have as good of a record as they had last year. Um, so what, you know, what happens if you get through this year and Marcus Mariota's missed four games to injury and yeah, he doesn't have more picks than interceptions than touchdowns like he did last year, but it's just sort of another 
middling season, are you just telling yourself, okay, you know, it was the first year in a system, some unfortunate injuries. You sort of, when you have these franchise quarterbacks that you've invested so much in, you kind of, you kind of keep moving the goalposts, so to speak, to convince yourself that there's just a couple other things that have to be changed to really unlock this guy. But after five years, he hasn't done it. <laughs> right. And, he's, and his health, his health has always been an issue with them. There's always been a little bit of an excuse with the guy. Sure. And that's true with the, that's true with a lot of these quarterbacks. Yeah. You know, you it's it you blame it on everything but him until there's nothing left to blame. All right. Last subject is your headline was Pat Mahomes spectacular start. And I've the Chiefs are coming to town here this week, so I've watched them more than I would, you know, the other 31 teams. And for those of you who don't know, Mahomes was my number one quarterback in that draft. If I was picking first overall and I needed a quarterback, I would have taken him ahead of Watson, Trubisky. I love him. I've also been saying that I think the Chiefs will be the most entertaining and roller coaster-ish team of the entire year. And they really should have lost to the Chargers. Their defense is awful. And there was two touchdowns at least left on the field. There was many drops in that game by the Chargers. Rivers tore them apart. So I think every game in Chiefland is start all your guys. It's going to be crazy. There's going to be a lot of points no matter what. And same thing's true in Pittsburgh this week. But one thing, that uh, just a little note about Mahomes was I felt like there's two things that worry me about him a little bit besides his natural risk taker stuff. But I, I, I always am fine with that. I'd rather have that than the opposite is I thought the Chargers really dedicated themselves to shutting down the run and didn't throw a lot of complex blitzes and looks at him. So he's only started two games. How's he going to handle that? I think the Steelers will throw more at him. And I don't blame him one bit for this, but right now he only has eyes for Tyreek Hill. <laughs> Which <laughs> is pretty good, good. Pretty good right? guy to have eyes right, for. Right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, Watkins and Sammy Watkins didn't do much in the first game. And look... You know, when I when you're writing out a week one on what you buy and sell, I mean, you realize you'd love to say, "Hey, let's check, check it back up at midseason." You know, before oh, of you course. Really come down on one side. But I do, I do like. I kind of feel like you do on him coming out was on the positive side, and then like who he's with and Andy Reid, like the weapons that he has, and think that I think the production is going to be there for him this season. I think he's going to have mm-hmm. good production all year. Um, on the flip side, you know, I think Andy Reid's at his best with a whole offseason to prepare. You know, we've seen them come in and beat the Patriots or whatever, right, early in the year. Or come uh, off a bye or play a common yeah, opponent come off a in bye. the West. So, or, right. Yeah, so the things you're talking about are more over the course of a full season thing. And I'm sure he will have um, his ups and downs. So it's funny, like on the one hand in my buys and sells, I kind of – bought the a little bit of a struggles for Deshaun Watson and that I, I think that there's no way he can just be on the torrid pace he was yeah. last year for the whole year. I think in the second year he comes back. Especially that line. And, and, but this year I feel like I'm buying Mahomes sort of to the extent that I would have bought Watson last year. I <laughs> yeah, think, that's what you're saying. You, you know what I mean? Right. I've, even though I was buying the Watson going down and Mahomes going up, I feel really good about both of them. <laughs> right, like you gladly build your team yeah. around either. Yeah, and if I could pick between one, the only reason I'd go towards Mahomes is just because he doesn't have the injury history. You know, mm-hmm. 
that's a little bit of a concern for me. But um, I loved. I felt like I probably would have taken Watson as the first guy coming out last year under the theory of what more does the guy have to do? I mean, wherever he goes, you know. I mean, it, look at his team when he plays versus when he doesn't. He just has sort of the ability to lift a team, and I think we saw that last year. Mahomes hasn't proven that yet, but I'm optimistic because of those things I talked about that are around him offensively, the players, Reed. I'm optimistic that Reed will have a good plan for him. He's flexible, and that he will be able to get production, really good production from him this year. I agree. I think the production is going to be off the chart. I think there'll be a lot more interceptions and downs than we saw in week one. Um, and, you know, two of his touchdowns were basically on shovel passes that you and I could have completed. But he is a wow player, and I think he's going to be a great one. I just think it's going to be a roller coaster. Yep. Yep. And I think we knew that because of their yeah. defense and everything, you know. Um, so, you know, when you look at, you really look in the first four, look at the first five weeks of this. God, they play some good defenses. The first five weeks of the season. So they played the Chargers defense, which is good. Without and Bosa, they though. Did, yeah, they did well. Uh, they get the Steelers defense, you know, pretty good. Then yeah. 49ers, then at, then at Broncos, so mm. and then home Jaguars. So you're going to play the Chargers, Steelers, Broncos, Jaguars in your first five games defensively. And then you're going to go at New England and then come home for Bengals, Broncos. And at, then go at Browns, which is a pretty good defense. Yeah, so, right. There's no easy ones God. there. I should should have probably put him in the other category. Oh, I'm selling, sell, sell. Get rid of him. Oh, I'm worried looking at the slate of defenses. But uh, no, I think overall there's a lot to like. Absolutely. Mike, you're the best. Let's do this again next week, bud. Love it. Absolutely. Over and out.